Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another Brew Theology Podcast. This is Ryan Miller, and today's episode is brought to you by Homebrew Christianities Theology Beer Camp in Redondo Beach, California. Several of us gathered together amongst others across the nation where we all landed in L.A. on the beach at the Hatchery Chapel where we had a lot of beer, a lot of IPAs, and a lot of theology. Played some cornhole, ate some tacos, had some bottle share. It was a fantastic and epic weekend. Can't wait for next year's Theology Beer Camp. A part of that process is that we were honored to interview different theologians that we're going to be unveiling on the Brew Theology podcast throughout the next few weeks. And the first episode is with Barry Taylor. Barry Taylor is an artist. He's a professor and a theologian. He's an affiliate professor at Fuller Seminary, where he teaches classes on music and film and pop culture. Barry wrote the book Entertainment Theology, New Edge Spirituality in a Digital Democracy, and Barry has another book coming out later this year, so stay tuned for that. Barry has a pretty crazy wild life, if, uh, if you go back in the 80s, he was touring with ACDC on their Highway to Hell tour. And today, Barry is the rock and roll theologian who talks about radical theology. And if you don't know what radical theology is, you will in a second. If you like this episode, make sure you give us a rating on iTunes. We're all across the interwebs of the podcast apps that are out there, Podbean, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio. But if you want more people to hear what we're doing amongst the brew theology culture in Denver and across the nation, please go to iTunes and give us a rating and a review. That would mean the world to us. Make sure you check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Theology. Along with Twitter, follow us at Brew underscore Theology. Check out the website, brewtheology.org, hashtag that, brewtheology. And if you're looking to help us out, to be a partner and a sponsor, we would love that. If you're looking to start a Brew Theology community in your city or your town, make sure you email me or Janelle. You can email me at ryan at brewtheology.org or Janelle at brewtheology.org. Okay, everybody, enjoy this episode, and we will see you on the other side. Peace. Welcome to the Brew Theology Podcast. I'm Ryan Miller, and on today's episode, we have the pleasure to talk to author, artist, professor, yeah, some would say uh, ex-rock star-esque, you know, uh, Barry. <laughs> they the, the idiots. <laughs> the Barry Taylor. The Barry oh, Taylor. The, uh, and I'm here with friends uh, Dan and Janelle. And so, just first things first, with um, thank, thank you for joining us today. Uh, no worries. And, uh, I keep saying no worries, like I picked up some Australian thing. So strange. <laughs> so uh, some of our listeners may know you, some may not know you. Yeah. So, you know, who is who is Barry? What's your story in a nutshell? That's a tough Oh, yeah, that's so tough. Well, I'm here sitting with you in a, in a building in Redondo <laughs> talking about theology and um, and we just watched a television show about God. Um, uh, who am I? I'm just a human being trying to work out. And I know you got life. a book coming out, so you can't give away too much. Yeah, let's not give it away too much, right? But you can give a teaser. Oh, a teaser, yes. Um, I'm someone trying to make sense of his existence, and I've been trying to work that out through the lens of Christianity. I'm not sure that's been a resounding success or not, but after 30 years, I'm still here, so I'm still asking the same questions that I used to ask. I don't know. You, I, that's probably a really lame thing to say, but but, but you, yeah, you did. But you didn't grow up Christian. No, I didn't. I grew up in a very typical uh, uh, of the time working class 
English non-religious environment. So I grew up in sort of post-Christian Europe um, with, I had exposure to religion um, because at school you get taught religion, which at the time was essentially Christianity. So I, I had an awareness, but I had no interest. And um, on one level, I still don't, even though my life has been shaped by it. But what I mean by that is um, I, uh, I came to religion through philosophy, but I wasn't looking for God. I was looking for myself to some degree. Um, I wanted to be uh, in my body, in me, in in, in a way that um, felt richer and, and more meaningful. And um, through a series of events, you know, those things that happen in life, small things and big things, I sort of found my way to um, Christianity very circuitously. But I'm still on the circuit. Now you have the microphone, you know. I do have the mic. Was that, does that make any sense? <laughs> yes, very much. Well, actually, I have to admit to you that I, I don't know a lot about you yet. Um, so these guys... <laughs> In 15 minutes, no, you're not going to get very much. Well, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe you'll get everything. <laughs> um, but they mentioned uh, to me that you talk about radical theology. The yeah. only time I've heard the word radical used is in radical orthodoxy. I have yeah, no, no idea I'd, if I'd those are the, the same thing. Yeah, no, I'd be the polar opposite of that. Okay. So. Um, yeah, so... So how that happened, I, I t well, I'll, t I'll tell you the part of the genesis of that um, is a couple of friends of mine, uh, Pete Rollins, Kester Bruin. Um, we were, Kester had written a book and we were doing an event together and we were going to talk about Kester's book and then we were going to talk about ideas, theological ideas and, mm -hmm. and, and, and stuff about that. And we felt like we needed to frame it within something. And we were like, so what, what do we call this, like, theological practice that we've come to? Or, you know, what are we talking about here? And and, and one of us, and I don't know who it was, I, I can't remember. Um, one, somebody said, oh, well, we should call it radical theology. That's not to say that none of us had a clue that that was a, a, a field, but it, it was really a way of actually just characterizing a talk okay. <laughs> that we were giving on a given night. But there is a stream uh, uh, of theology called radical theology uh, that I'm quite happy to be associated with, um, which essentially is, I, 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 and again, you know, you can probably get in trouble with proponents who would have a different interpretation, but essentially radical theology is uh, a theology uh, that comes after death of God theology. So it has connections to those uh, events that happened in the 60s that brought about death of God theology, but it's not necessarily uh, a direct line that would just be part of the influence. Okay. It's theology after the death of God. Okay. So it's late 20th century, early 21st century theological interaction with uh, um, Christianity um, that has a notion at its heart that's informed by um, contemporary philosophy, particularly deconstruction, okay. that wants to uh, go back to uh, the roots, so radical, you know, radix, the, the, the roots, but not to affirm as radical orthodoxy does that hey catholicism was 
the best thing and we should go or go back to that, but actually to go back to the roots and to uh, open things up and see what else can be said in these ideas, in these stories and in these notions. So deconstruction for me as, as a philosophy isn't about tearing down. It's about breaking open and taking apart so that you can hear other things and offer up different accounts of um, reality from that perspective. Which to me sounds very practical because I find myself doing that work with people that have left the evangelical and conservative church that their faith has fallen apart and they're now trying to to re-look at it, re-examine it and figure yeah. out how does this well, work for me now? I mean, I, I, I to be honest, I, I think we only do theology when we have to. And uh, living uh, in the world today, the fact that so many people uh, are trying to work stuff out tells you that something's up. Something's gone wrong somewhere for people. That's not to say that what was there in the past is wrong. It's just not right for a lot of people today. And they find themselves in a state of anxiety, uh, confusion. They, they, they've grown up in something that now troubles as much as comforts and they're trying to work out what to do. And, and in some ways, I think at least the way I approach it, for me, radical theology is a way of asking a different set of questions, both of myself, of the texts that we engage with, and of life. Thank you very much. Like, yeah. Oh, that was all right. Good. Yeah, we're like speed dating here, right? All right, fair enough. <laughs> it's all good so far. So, you know, now that you've mentioned confusion, anxiety. Yeah. You know, we find ourselves today is... You know, January 20th, 2017, we just had the inauguration of Trump. Yeah. And whew, I know your your work is is around, um, you know, working at that intersection of, of theolo- Christian theology and, and culture. Yeah. So this is our cultural context now, um, at least in America, but it's it affects the world. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, no, no shit, as they say. Yeah. And <laughs> sorry, I you can say that on your podcast. Oh, no, yeah. that's right. Um. You know, if you could, if you could speak to um, how does radical theology, right? What is radical theology, or your 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 approach to theology? I should say. I don't. Yeah. I don't, don't want to. Uh, yeah, because you know, you, I, I, well, yeah, because I can't really speak for radical theology. And, yeah. You know, and there are so many forms of it. You know, there are academic forms and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm trying to work it out uh, on a kind of street level. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I I I mean, I deal with academic stuff, and 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 I I, I teach in academic environments. But for me, it's intensely has to be, um, tangibly expressible in the material world in, in the, in, in the living out of my life. So, um, I, you know, the, we live in a very tangled state, um, of reality, you know, um, a complex time where there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and, and, and I think that radical theology, um, is political theology. I I think it wants to engage with the, the polis, with the people 
with the world in, 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 in which we live and ask questions of the situations and the circumstance we find ourselves in and dig down and, and, and see what can be said. What, what I, what I, what I find very interesting is it seems to me that, that we're in this kind of crucible of, uh, chaotic and jumbled, uh, meanings that negate all meaning and demonstrate the fact that I think life is meaningless and that in that jumbled meaninglessness, you have the opportunity to do a couple of things. So a lot of people, they, you know, so if you go back to, you know, your friends that have the anxiety of the, the worries and stuff, they might be inclined to give up and go, why bother? I'm just going to go here that you can't change this. It's all, it's all rubbish. And, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of kind of nihilism. And I think that goes a couple of ways, you know, the passive nihilism of nothing you can do about it. So don't do anything. And then, or, or you get the sort of hedonistic nihilism. It's like, well, nothing can be done. So I'm just going to give up on anything and just go out and, eat, drink and be merry or, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, as though those are the only two options. And I, th- I think there's a third option. And the third option is a kind of active nihilism, which I think comes for me through radical theology. And that is in the face of meaninglessness, you make meaning. Mm-hmm. Because you live into the emptiness, you live into the chaos, you live into the paradox and the complexity, and you take position you live into it and you embody something i don't know does that make sense yeah i'm yeah, looking at you and talking it was your question but i was looking at her but that's because no, that's, that's fine and if you could speak briefly and it'd probably be difficult to speak briefly about it but um we had a <laughs> we had a me. short conversation before this about uh the idea of, of post-truth yeah and if you could you know our context is, is is very interesting because for those that are that are take on this label of of Christian, yeah, um, it's problematic that um, Christians contributed to the rise of of Donald Trump and the like. And yeah. um, I, I'd like you to speak to. Well, why is that? Well, I think what I said to you, I think it was to you, is mm-hmm. you know there was a conversation this morning about this notion of post truth and how to deal with the post truth world and you know the way in which at least in the current election cycle the awareness of um, the fact that the fact that facts didn't really matter was a big enough deal for people to look at that and go, wow, we live in a post-truth world. Um, what I would argue is that we've lived in one of those for a very long time. It's just broken through the surface in a particular way because it became very self-evident through the polarizing of this particular election cycle that something's gone horribly wrong with the project. But, but what I said was, is if you took, take the definition, whether it's the, the definition given to us in the talk or the dictionary definition of post-truth, which is post-truth means that, um, at the expense of objective fact or, uh, reason, you prefer emotion and personal belief then Christianity has been a post-truth thing for a long time because Christianity tends to operate on personal belief at the expense of objectivity on any number of levels. 
um, and uh, my personal beliefs about heaven and hell, my personal beliefs about this or that, whether or not they can be objectively proven or, and I know, I, I realize that I'm being sort of sarcastic on, on, on one level, mainly because I get a little tired of, of Christianity thinking that it's got a corner on the truth, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, there's another example of how it's all gone wrong and we just need to get everybody back under our umbrella because we know what truth is. And I think we operate with that same emotional, preferred option of our personal beliefs at, at the expense of sometimes of objectivity and particularly at the expense of reality. And I, and I think that plays out in the obsession of late 20th century Christianity with the afterlife, you know, things that objectively can't even be touched, you know, and we, we talk about them like, this is absolutely true. You have a soul. Well, no, 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 you might, I don't know, but it's just a word. And for me, it's a word that is an attempt to describe the indescribable part of us that we believe must exist because we have consciousness and therefore we must be more than our biology. Now, I think that we we probably are in some way, but I don't know what that is. You, do you know what I mean? So is that what you were talking about? So so I think, and and so for me, religion isn't about truth. It, uh, or, or let me say, Christianity, Jesus, what interested me and continues to interest me about Jesus was his take not on truth, but on the nature of reality. I'm not interested in truth. I'm interested, well, that sounds bad. I am, but it's not a priority. My priority is the tangled reality in which we live. How do I make my way through it? The morass of meaninglessness, the lack all of those things, and yet have hope in the face of hopelessness. If you want to go Jack Caputo's way, or 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 or, 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 or those kind of things. So, um, my my theological journey is really to to advance a sort of I've never even said this publicly a sort of Christian nihilism that actually generates a nihilistic meaning for life. There you go. Just threw that out there. You know that for nothing. First, first time ever. First time ever. Yeah. It's probably real. It'll, it'll go nowhere. <laughs> Only on the Brew Theology podcast. Only on the Brew yeah. Theology podcast. So, so Barry, uh, just lastly before we leave, um, thank yeah. you for your time. I know no we've, got, we've got other events going on this evening. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just curious. Um, all this is fascinating cerebrally. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people are going, yes, this is what I need to hear. Sure. But then there's the functionality part. Yeah. So you, as an artist, as yeah. an author, as I mean. For you, what does that hope and the hopelessness tangibly look like? It means that you have to take life seriously and uh, and live. You know, you don't have to have a, a whole... You don't have to know what happens when you die to uh, have a meaningful life. I said earlier, um, you know, we, we watched that Story of God episode on heaven and hell and you know how the very rich ways as human beings we explore the afterlife and 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 my my favorite quote about the afterlife comes from the philosopher simon critchley who says i believe firmly in the afterlife i believe in the life that comes after me hmm. so that's the extent for me of life after death there is life after i i'm gone uh, what happens to me i don't know I can't know. Anything I say is conjecture. 
There's no evidence. There's no proof. There's no ability to prove or to ascertain. I can just create symbolic ways of comfort or hope or, or, or that kind of stuff. But I can live. I can live. I can embody something. I can materialize a way of being in the world. For me, um, and it's not exclusive to radical theology uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but, but, but for me, um, belief is not about agreeing to some ideas. It's living in a particular way in, in, in life and, and, and in, in, in the world. And what I believe is a bunch of opinions anyway. Most of them have very little impact on uh, anything that I do or say. And a lot of people have an awful lot of very complex beliefs and they're still arseholes. So, um, you know, get over it. Live, yeah. live a little. Yeah. So uh, where could people find your work? I just started following you on Instagram. Yeah, that's about the only location, really. <laughs> but I'm a bit of an Instagram whore, so you can find out a lot about me. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's true. On, on, but uh, it's uh, fascinating. Uh, yeah, I mean... What's the username? Oh, it's UK Bloke. UK Bloke. Yeah. So, so not, you're not on Facebook, or do you, do you tweet? You, I, I, I do occasionally tweet, but I find, I, I find Twitter very negative, and particularly Christian Twitter. It's just ugly as shit. So um, I don't have much to do with it. I don't like the way you must people... must be following Dan's feed. And, and, you know, and the deal is as well, it, it's interesting to me, that the textual uh, social media, Facebook and uh, Twitter particularly, they're a little mean-spirited. The visual ones, they, they offer a different... Because it's symbolic. So um, I, I, I'm a visual person. So uh, you can find out a lot about me from my uh, Instagram feed. Thanks a lot. And then you. Uh, you have a book coming out. Is it when does this come out? Uh, you have a title. I, I, the, the the working title is, is "Sex, God, and Rock and Roll: Bits and Pieces from a Theological Life." I think it's the end of the year, nice. but that depends on what the editors think of what I gave them, <laughs> <laughs> which might be not much. Thanks so much for your time, Barry. Hey, so welcome. Right. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Welcome.